Why don't you welcome these guys up here? All right, come on, come on up and grab a seat. Excellent. You might need to turn that one on the base. Yeah, just hold it, the red button down. Well, now, so I, I'm assuming that many of you have had the chance to meet this wonderful couple. If you haven't, uh, they're going to be hanging around for a while, so you, there's plenty of opportunity. And they're, they're incredible family as well, they're, they're three children. So um, just before we get going too far into this this morning, I just want us to pray um, that um, just that the Lord will help us to connect with what he wants for us this morning as for, in hearing their story, in hearing God's story for you as well, and hearing God's story for us as together we follow him. Okay, so let's just, let's just invite the Holy Spirit to, to do that. So, Lord, we do, we posture ourselves this morning before you and we just say, Lord, even in the words of that song, your voice would be clearer than all the others. Your voice would be sweeter than all the others. So speak to, speak to all of us this morning, we pray, Lord, individually, as Christian and Vanessa share their story, and we pray that you'd speak to us as a people here at Pine Rivers Vineyard, seeking to follow you, Jesus, and see your kingdom come. In your name we pray. Amen. For those of you who've been journeying with us here at the Vineyard or in the Vineyard movement, uh, for how a length of time, you're probably familiar with the fact that one of the one of the realities about who we are as a people is we believe that God is into taking the good stuff that He's doing in one location and multiplying that out into many locations. Right across the world now, there's over I think we're in over a hundred and five nations now around the world where the vineyard churches are being planted in all sorts of contexts and all sorts of um, um, cultures. Uh, for example, uh, Nicole and I just got to spend some time with some of the guys from Brazil recently, from the Vineyard Movement in Brazil. And um, Nicole was sharing the other week how they have, like, there's one particular lady, she's leading a whole church planting movement of Vineyard churches right along the Amazon River. Just hundreds of churches being planted all along the Amazon River in northern northern Brazil and it's you know just wonderful what God's doing in and he's doing that not only in Brazil but he's doing all sorts of church planting all over the world and he's even doing it here in Australia we as vineyard people think that church planting is God's idea and uh, and we're into that and so this morning here if you're joining us for the first time at Pine Rivers Vineyard you may not know we've planted a number of churches out here over our many years of, of um, being a fellowship of believers and we're hungry to see God plant more churches out from us and uh, often one of the things God has to do is dispel a whole bunch of myths for people to feel like they can be a part of something like that and so it's our prayer this morning that the myths would be dispelled because God can take a people just like us 
and plant loads more churches through people just like us. And that's our hunger in our heart. All righty, so enough of that. This is Christian and Vanessa. So I'm going to hand over to you guys. Why don't we start with a, um, a little bit of, tell us a little bit about your family. And um, so who's, who's your family? And then uh, maybe a little bit of your, you know, your, your work history coming to a, play, a moment like this. Why don't you fire away for that? Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for inviting us up here. Um, this is still a bit of a surreal experience for us. Um, but, yeah, thank you for inviting us here and um, getting us to do this. So, um... Well, Let's hold it nice and close. <laughs> um, yeah, so our family, myself, my wife, Vanessa, and we've got our three kids here. Uh, we've got our eldest son, Levi, and uh, Eva. Both of those kids are in high school now, and um, uh, Levi's looking to go into trade college at the end of the year. Eva's first year of high school when she's really enjoying her studies and little Jonas is in kids' church now. He's, uh, he's nine. He just, he just loves being with us wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Um, and uh, then I've got my mother back in WA um, and my um, Levi's biological father as well. Both of those guys have been a part of this journey with us. Um, especially my mum, and my dad passed away a couple of years ago, so um, it's been hard on my mother having her over there and we us over here. Thankfully, she's going to come over during the holidays and spend some time with us, so, um, yeah. Work-wise, um, we, well, for myself personally, I'm a trained chef, is my background. Um, I think nice. we need to, yeah. <laughs> nice. Invite him over <laughs> for dinner. Um, I then went into sort of business management, the family business for a few years, uh, did some horticultural work. And then at the moment, since I've been here, I'm doing aged care support work, which is working really well with my, um, alongside my studies. Yeah. Um, so that's my work background and good stuff. Ness? Yeah. So I've been in education for about 20 or so years. Um, I was a teacher for most of that time, uh, teaching mainly in the early childhood. And, and my career took me all over the world. So starting in training in New Zealand, moving to WA, going all throughout the state of WA, doing all sorts of um, different types of schools throughout the state. Um, one of them being School of the Air, so I got to go fly out in Cessnas to um, Kids in the Outback. That was an amazing experience, teaching over the airwaves. Um, I've taught in really impoverished schools. I've taught in leafy green schools. I've been in lots of different contexts and had to adapt a lot. And I've also taught in the UK as a, a supply teacher. And then in the last seven years, um, Quite amazingly, a bit like the internship, I was one minute in the classroom and two weeks later principal of a small school in the uh, south of WA. And from there I went on to lead about three or four um, different schools, which I've loved every one of them. Um, and this year has been different, a return to the classroom, teaching here at Bray Park State School um, and going back on the tools again. So that's been an interesting journey because um, that loss of autonomy, of being the boss, um, of, of being led again, has been really interesting and part of, I think, 
the sacrifice when you say yes to Jesus. This is part of it. Um, it some of it hurts, <laughs> but there's always something that you're learning within it. And what I'm learning now is the things that I believed in as a leader, which I was asking other people to do. I'm finding out which of those things are actually doable and which of those things are being refined in me that I believe in more. So that's the work history. Beautiful. Why don't, why don't, you've, you've got the microphone. So why don't you give us, Ness, the, the three-minute version of how you met <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> Three minutes is always a challenge for me, Kirk, as you know. Um, but I've got two significant things. One is I was listening to Ken Fish preaching the other day. Um, and he was saying that God's model of testimony is in Jesus, growing up in a Christian home and going out and doing the things that you learnt in that home. And, and sometimes I've really um, devalued my testimony because of that. But through this journey, I'm seeing that I'm so blessed to have had Christian parents. I was brought up in a Christian home in the 80s. We had, and I'm so glad we've got Americans here today, because we had a revival in our small town in Huntley. And as an eight-year-old child, I was under the pews night after night in a sleeping bag, listening to fiery American preachers, <laughs> singing, be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Yeah, right. Lots of um, miracles, signs and wonders. As a child, I saw kids who hobbled in, I saw their legs lengthen in front of me to become the same. Right. I saw creative miracles, I saw people get delivered, and the Lord built such a faith in me. Um, one of the other things is that my father was very committed to me being, one, very independent, and two, um, he loved, you know, we didn't have much margin as a family. We, we didn't have a lot of money, but he committed that I would always be able to go to Christian camps. Right. And so at eight years old, I would go off for a week to be, which seems amazing now in today's world, eight right. years old, <laughs> pack your bag off for a week. And, you know, we would be learning scripture. We would be, um, you know, have all those competitions where you say verses, learn the books of the Bible, right, that sort yeah. of thing. And then in the evenings, we would have um, church every evening as well as throughout the day. And it was during that one of those church services, I remember the leaders saying, you might have Christian parents, but tonight is all about you and you connecting with the Lord. And, and if you want to, you can raise your hands and you can worship the Lord right where you are. And for me, that was awesome because I never would have done that in front of my parents. And there was the most beautiful song I had ever heard in my life playing. And I connected with it so deeply and it's just, it's touched me to think about it over the course of this weekend. Mm. Because the song was Isn't He by John Wimber. All right. So the vineyard, I'm looking back in the formative years of my life, the worship in the vineyard was right with me. Yep, beautiful. Christian. Yeah, my story is at the flip side of that. So um, I came to the Lord when I was 19. I was raised in a good Christian, I'm uh, sorry, non-Christian family. Um, but um, I was a curious kid and I was always aware. I had an awareness of God. I had an awareness of the spiritual realm a lot. But that curiosity led me into the cult. And I got heavily involved in the cult at a really young age. At age of 13, I was 
quite troubled as a kid and uh, I got caught up in drugs, alcohol, nicotine. And when I was 14, I was actually out in a field doing an occultic ritual. Um, and I had a moment, it was a clear starry night. I looked to the sky and I was really broken in myself at the time at 14 and, and alone. And I looked to the heavens and I believed in God the Father. I had a moment, just, I just knew him. And I, my soul cried out and I said, I just want a friend. That's all I said. Four or five years later, I'm walking down the front to a church, in a church to receive Jesus as my Lord. That's quite an emotional story from this bit, me. But, um, and um, it only took me three times to attend this church. And I went down the front. I gave my heart to Jesus. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I fell like lead to the ground. And um, in that moment, I had like one of those vortex fast forward moments where every, every person who spoke the gospel to me, every Christian who reached out to me on the street, every, their, their, their faces, the words they said, they all came to me in this fast forward emotion. At the very end, God took me back to the field in that vision and he said, I heard your cry in the night and I've answered my, your prayer and I've sent you my son Jesus and he will be your friend. And I just knew then and there. And I met, obviously I met I met God then, but it was actually a year later, funny enough, at a youth camp when I, um, it was the last night of the conference of, at the youth camp, and you know what the last nights of conferences are like, they're pretty amped and lots of things happen. <laughs> I couldn't eat my dinner, I was antsy, I couldn't figure out what was going on, I went back to my dorm, reading the Bible, trying to figure out why I felt so weird. All of my mates came back. And they said, what's going on? I said, I don't know, something's off. I can't figure out what it is. And one of my friends just happened to say, you've been involved in the occult. And I literally just, it was like being tasered. I literally just, every muscle in my body contorted. My fingers fused together, my eyes shut, my mouth shut. I fell to the floor. They all freaked out. They sent for the youth pastor until my friends came back. And they spent about half an hour ministering to me. And I had a, a massive deliverance. But it was in that I couldn't speak the name of Jesus, which was quite terrifying. That's all I wanted to do. I was just trying to call out to Jesus. But in that breaking moment when he set me free, in that moment on the floor, my muscles relaxed, my mouth opened, and I spoke his name. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just knew. I met Jesus intimately and personally in that moment, yeah. And the, well, the rest is history, yeah. Great, great. <laughs> Great testimonies, guys. Beautiful testimonies. Um, hey, um, and I pray that, you know, as you're telling yours, that every one of ours would just be refreshed to us as well. Yeah. You know, that the Holy Spirit would refresh to each of us our story of meeting Jesus. So here we are sitting here at Pine Rivers Vineyard on the east coast of Australia. If we were just to hit the rewind button just a little bit and we go back to... I think it was about, I don't know, the start, somewhere in the first quarter of, of 2022, I'm over in Western Australia visiting a few vineyard folk. I end up at your place having dinner. There's always food. There's always food and I loved going to your place. I've been to their place a few times. There's always good feed <laughs> at their place. Um, so here we are at their place having a, just a wonderful evening around the table together and 
um, Ness pulls out the guitar and we sing to Jesus a bit together. And um, anyway, we, 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 it's about the end of the night. I, I'm heading home back to the hotel nearby where I'm staying. And, and these guys said, um, why don't we do breakfast before you leave town tomorrow? I said, yeah, sure, let's do that. So, um, and then through the course of the night, um, the Lord says to me, at breakfast tomorrow, I want you to ask them something. And I said, right, Lord, what is it? He says, ask them if they'll pack up their entire life and move to the west coast, uh, to the east coast of Australia and come and do a church planting internship. I'm like, okay, that's a pretty significant ask, you know. So anyway, we're having breakfast the next day, and I said, look, you don't have to answer this now, but I feel like the Lord wants to ask this question to you, and I just offer it to you, and we'll just leave it there, and there's no, no pressure either way, but I'll leave it with you to wrestle. So obviously, though, here we are, like <laughs> here in Pine Rivers, and you guys landed here last October. So in that six-month window, a whole bunch of stuff happened for you guys. And, and now you find yourself here doing a church planting internship. Can you just give us a little bit of a picture of some of what it meant for you guys to say yes to the invitation from God into this big adventure that you're on? Can you just give us a bit of maybe a, a sense of what it meant for you practically relationally, economically, just give us a sense of it so that, you know, we all go, oh, yes, Lord, me, Lord. (laughs) But just give it, can you put some stories to that for us? Yeah. That's that's a really good, um, I'm someone who likes to jump, jump straight to how with things. So I like to know what we're doing and then I like to know how we're going to do it. But this wasn't something we could think through the how a lot in the moment. The first thing was to say yes, that we would come. Um, And after that, though, it's not devoid of strategy. There's a lot of things that have to be worked out to make a move across a continent. Um, (laughs) We had six weeks, and we were living such a comfortable life. We had a beautiful home, lots of friends and family. We had careers and things that were going on, and a six-week window because we knew we had to come in the spring. So one thing I learned spiritually was that often God will give you like a prevailing scripture. He gets you ready for things like this. It seemed a surprise to everyone else and to us too, but we had been getting ready. And one of the scriptures that had really popped out to me um, prior to this was in the spring when kings go out to war. When, when David, um, King David, we start the story into Bathsheba. And that scripture has held us because if David had gone out to war, as he would normally do, he wouldn't have been hooked up with Bathsheba. There wouldn't have been that opportunity. So it was understanding the season that we were in. It was saying, in the spring, Rodders, you're going to be heading off to um, another state and it's not going to be a vacation. <laughs> so I think what I've learned is that to expect it to be very challenging because if you anticipate it to be challenging and you know what's ahead in, in some of the challenges, you know that you can work through those in your mind. Um, spiritually for us, 
one of the big things for me was having done this, there were songs, I mean, obviously our first ministry is worship and we love it, but there were songs that I could only ever sing prophetically and they were songs like I Surrender All and all of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. I had to sing those prophetically because I didn't really know if I, if asked, would I say yes? And since we've done this journey, I can sing those songs, not in full, but I can sing them because I can connect with that aspect of letting things go and not being attached to an outcome and, and feeling that I'm in the palm of God's hand. Yeah, I think it's important to know and recognise as well for us that we, God had the circumstances that surrounded us leading into that was... Um, God was shoehorning us, as you mentioned to us, into a, a corner, so to speak, because all our opportunities that we reached out to, the doorways shut down, favour lifted off our life, um, the wells dried up, and we couldn't figure out what was going on, and we were like, God, what, what, is, what is this? But we had so many ties. Yeah, even my, if I bought a new car, and it was one centimetre too big for my garage, so just little... <laughs> Crazy little things that just, yeah, like, what's going on? Nothing's making sense. That was so good. <laughs> um, yeah, Ness wasn't that happy about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, our circumstances, I think because we had surrounded ourselves by comfort and our, I had a crazy amount of plants and we'd come from five acres, so I had all this stuff and... We just filled our lives with stuff and, 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 and that rooted us and granted us too much for what God wanted to lead us into. So he had to sort of make it a little uncomfortable for us. And um, I'm glad he did because it was hard to let go of some things, but in letting go and, and recognising what God was doing and just, yeah, I was able to just focus on what he wanted to do and... Um, through that, we, yeah. Sorry, I've just lost track of my thoughts. <laughs> no, you're fine, mate. It was, it was important, yeah, to go through that experience. Yeah. So how do, you, how, does, how do you take family, you, you know, you, you're working full-time, you've got roles and responsibilities, you've got a family you're caring for, you're running a house, you've got a mortgage, you're, you know, you're doing all the daily stuff that every, every, most everyone else is kind of doing. How do you all of a sudden, like... Put that into a box, get a caravan, and then move to the other side of the country. Like, um, I think, obviously, on a practical level, there was lots going on, but um, you mentioned a little bit there about just that A, um, you're being kind of horned in or you're kind of being squeezed out, um, but at the same time, you had this reassuring sense of the Lord's presence or through the word in particular and, and so forth. But give us a sense of, like, what was, what was that like at this level? Like, what was going on in here at the heart? How, what, was, what was really thumping in your chest in those moments and the thoughts that you were going, what are we doing? For me, it was financial security. That was a really big concern for me. Yeah. I was um, to take a reduction in wage to... Um, you know, the living costs are much higher here. To live... Um, I'd grown up without money. 
Right. So for me to return to where I had a small margin again, I had to face a lot of maybe some unhealed parts in my life to be okay with that. Um, but, to, but we've been creative in that. It's been great. I think it sounds like a hard thing to do, but when you, when you get compelled by Jesus to do something, it's like, it's like nothing else. You know that you know. Mm-hmm. But the way that we had to go there was that we had to get into the hush. We had to be still. Um, one of the things Lord, the Lord said to us to prepare for this was when everything was burning down around us and we knew a change was coming, mm. he said to me very clearly, almost audibly, take your headphones out and turn your volume down now. Mm. And what that meant to me was stop the incoming voices, all of the podcasts, all your inbox and your email. So I set about quickly to say to people, don't email me for a week. I rung all my friends and family, please don't call me, I won't be calling you, I love you, see you on the other side. (laughs) Um, And we went into um, a little bubble where Chris and I just hunkered down in our lounge with worship music, we started fasting, we started to set just totally our hearts and minds toward the Lord um, because this was quite a bold decision because when I have found, or we've found, when you go off script, it's amazing how many people have a script for your life. Right. And you might even have one of your own. Right. Um, And the script goes that you'll do this and then you'll go here in your career and then you'll do this and then you'll move to retirement and then you'll be a wonderful eldership team in the church or build someone else's ministry and you'll be doing all these things. And people have various scripts for you. And And that's lovely in a way because they love you and they want you close and around you. But what we needed to do was turn our volume down, stop outward processing with everybody else about the things that we were hearing from God and wanting to do, and then start coming into us as a unit and deciding that what was in our heart as Christian and Vanessa and our kids. We gave the kids a lot of agency in this. We brought them in to talk about what it would look like and feel like to do something new. The Lord spoke to them in the night and dreams and songs and all sorts of wonderful things happened. But what I I think I learned was that, and that was important because we knew that we knew that God was speaking to us and we knew that we were on the same page. And that's been the special part of this journey. Yeah. Love it. Christian, what was going on in your chest, mate? Um, I've always wanted to just live my life for God. So I just wanted to be where he wanted what, and live in his purpose and plan for my life. So when everything's not sort of coming together and working, it's sort of you, you, get, you get desperate. And so I was just, yeah, we had to really press into God. And that was a challenge. I confronted about things about myself um, and, and really having to trust in God. So mm. Ness got quite... She got COVID. Right. And then she got long COVID. And she's the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's only so much sick leave you can take. And we're thinking, okay, what's next? So, yeah, it was a challenge. Um, 
we really had to confront ourselves and our own insufficiency and insecurities and realize that wow, we, we can't do anything without him. Yep. And even pursuing something for him, we have to do it yep. with him. Yep. Yeah. And that come through this morning too in our worship. I'm just reminded of that. Lyrics of that chorus, you know, keep, keep me abiding in you, keep me abiding in you, that I might bear fruit. You know, we, we really do at the end of the day want to live a life that bears fruit. But um, let's just switch gears a little bit here. You guys have both had a long relational connection with the vineyard. I didn't know about you singing, you know, Isn't He When You Were Eight Years of Age and Coming to the Lord. That's beautiful. But... Um, You've had a long association, various times and spaces and people along the way with the vineyard um, in Western Australia and, and around, around the country and the world. Um, tell us a little bit about what it is that God's placed in your heart about the vineyard family of churches in the country. Why, why, why plant vineyard churches? What, uh, what's the thing that God's put in your heart about the vineyard? What do you love about who, who the vineyard is? Look, I think um, it's just I've always been compelled. I've always my, I, I um I've always been compelled and drawn to the vineyard. I think most people can relate to this is that is through the worship, right? The intimacy that's a common phrase we hear. It's totally the same for me. It was in my early days in the Pentecostal church, Hillsong worship, mm-hmm. but it was when I met the vineyard worship that it drew me in and. The people that I was listening to, sermons I listened to, I only just found out recently that their connection to the vineyard. Right. So like with Vanessa's story, she you know, discovered back, way back then there's those seeds being planted all along. Um, and then when I found myself in a vineyard church, I was able to grow and I was nurtured and it was like good, being planted in really good soil. Yeah. Uh, it made sense. Um, and... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's just it's it's so deep. I can't really put a lot of words to it sometimes yeah, because yeah. it's just it's. I feel compelled to. I feel drawn to it, and even when I'm not looking for it, it's it's God reaching out to me in circumstances and moments that are connecting me to the That's vineyard. Good. Yeah. You know, um, we often use um, a bit of a a thought in, and phrases when uh, when we do like world missions when we go overseas and. We're like wanting to plant churches. Our strategy is we go along, we go overseas and we start to sing our song. And then as we're singing our song, the people around it go, that's the same song we're singing. And there's like this connection. And so I find that, you know, interesting that you're using that, a very similar experience. It's like I heard the song and I was like, that's my song. I'm being drawn in there. It's my tribe. It's my, yep, there you go. Yep, Ness. Yep, and that that that. Um, well, I met Christian in the vineyard, so that's that was my, one of my first connections was yep. um, coming to a vineyard church, getting involved in the worship team. Chris was leading that worship team, and so we got to know each other through doing worship together in the vineyard. And one of the most beautiful things that happened to me, we had a friend, Graham Maloney, when we were at Australian Vineyard, and he had been given. Um, a ticket to go to the Blue Mountains to come to conference, to worship conference. And I'm always thank him for giving that ticket to me. So he um, gave up that for me and I was able to come. 
And I can tell you, I didn't know much about the vineyard at all. But from that worship conference, what I did was I met people who were saying and sounding like the person I was. Mm-hmm. It, and, I, and, I, and I couldn't find people like that elsewhere. Um, what I loved about it was these people, and, and I've found that in the vineyard, are constantly learning, you know, engaged in study, speaking, um, speaking of things they're reading, books they're reading, um, things they're learning about theologically, and, and just but, but yet being casually just wonderful relational people. And I loved that. And I guess it was in the, we had Dan Wilt with us, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been with Dan in the, you know yep. in the same room as Dan Wilt in worship, but um, the worship I experienced in that room, I, I can hardly speak about it without weeping. Mm-hmm. It was transformative worship. It touched everybody in that room. I saw pastors that I loved and just falling apart because God was just reaching in through the worship and people were just able to be themselves and there was ministry happening through the room and there were musicians who loved their craft performing with excellence and I got to be a part of that and it changed me (laughs) and and I love it. Mm -hmm. And... To me, um, anything that we're doing, that heart of that worship that is, is going to be something we want to be able to replicate and do wherever we are. And the other thing is, coming here, some things, and this is the Wimber quote, is, you know, that caught, not yeah, taught. caught, not taught, yep. So the thing is, if we're going to um, be in the vineyard in Western Australia, we had to come here because we have to catch the culture we have to catch um, the everyday life of the vineyard so that we can go then and take that DNA that's in us and, and we're experiencing those distinctives, the training, um, so that we can then do, do the word and the works where yep, we are. the word and the works in love, WA. I love all these. Yeah. We're learning so much. Good yeah. stuff. Um, so, you know, these guys, while we're, we've been talking a lot at the level of, you know, conversation with God and what's going on in their heart and mobilising their life, they're, you know, Christians at the moment, he's doing um, a, uh, he's some theological studies through Vineyard College Australia. He's doing, you know, studies on the kingdom of God and church and mission and um, leadership and all that fun stuff. So he's busy working away in that space and he's also doing, you know, um, spiritual formation and so they're working with spiritual directors in terms of getting a sense of a good grip on the actual story that God's writing through their life because when it comes to any kind of idea of leading the best gift the leader has to give is who they really are and that's it we can only bring who we are to the moment and so these guys are in this really sort of hothouse environment of that they're here at the vineyard People are, they're rubbing shoulders with us. We're sharing hearts. We're sh- sharing lives together. And, and it's wonderful to see because it is a lot of, while on one level you can be very classroom orientated and they're doing aspects of that, there is a lot of life on life when it comes to training and equipping and discipling people 
how to do what we do in terms of planting churches. Now, you know, you might be sitting there and thinking, church planter, gosh, I'd never be a church planter. Um, let me just say, these guys, are, this is a story here where that was never on their radar. This is just like the, the adventurous God and his loving invitation to their life to say, hey, come this way with me. We're going to do this together. And um, so, guys, I know we're like quite a way yet away from planting back in WA. There's still a bunch of stuff to hear for you both to receive and to invest into who we are here at PRV as well. Um, but is, if, is God starting to paint just a little bit of picture in your heart? I mean, you don't have to have the whole strategy lined out and everything, but just like, is he putting a bit of picture in your heart for what, what a vineyard might, church plant might look like back in WA? And if so, could you maybe give us a little bit of a, an idea of what that is looking like? Yeah, do a lot of talking. Um, I think, look, I'm laughing because when you put the sign up, you know, church plant interns, I yep. said to Kirk, you put an S on that. I'm yes, that's Christians right. I'm doing the study, you know. <laughs> um, but so we've been thinking about, you know, what is it, you know, it's take the pearl, leave the shell when you go somewhere, isn't it? So you're seeing what you love, yep. you're taking that with you. You've got what you're, what we're doing now is we're valuing what we were already doing. So we were go. running um, worship events where we would gather people together with great food, uh, worship music, open up to hear what the Lord's saying from people, casual, just lovely, belonging events. And people were coming from different places to these. Mm. And I don't think we put enough value in what we were doing. So that's the first thing. And... So one of the things that Chris and I, myself being a Kiwi and Christian and I having a real love is, is you know, we would love to be part of something multicultural. That's something uh -huh. that's really big in our hearts. Yep. Um, you know, the, the beauty of, of different nations and um, people, that's one thing. Ultimately, if we haven't got the presence of God, then none of the plans that we have will will work. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> That's the thing we're most, is to be in the presence of God, to have, you know, someone talked about fresh bread today. That, that's yep. where we want to be. Yep. The fresh bread of the presence of God um, and, and be that through worship and, um, you know, also I love the balance of the vineyard so that you've got the word being so sound and doctrinally I love that. Yep. And, and, and then also having that experiential um, side of things. Yep. Um, and I think the key word is transforming. Mm -hmm. So people coming as they are, but they're not staying as they are. Yeah. Um, for me, that's so important. And, um, and for Chris as well. So we do have... Um, Chris and I are both creatives. Okay, like, so yep. we love... Um, doing art and um, music and all those sort of things. And so the picture that the Lord gave me this year, when we came to Queensland, he, he said to me, birds in the word. <laughs> I want you to study the birds in the word. I want you to, and I thought, well, this must be about provision. <laughs> but it's so much more than that. 
And so we've got this picture at the moment that we've been talking together through and um, we might even make it in 3D yet. Um, <laughs> it, and it's a nest. And I've just written a few things about yep. the nests that have come to us. So the beauty of a nest is wherever it is, it's, a, it's contextual. So it's built with the materials that are local to that place, That's which cool. I love about the vineyard. It reflects back the community that it's in. Yep. So if you're in a beachside community, the nest has probably got a little bit of fishing net woven into it. Right. You know, so it's that sort of an idea. Yeah. And also a nest is a place where young can be reared yep. to take flight. You get fed in the nest. There's always a song in the nest. Um, that idea of... Um, I guess that being scaffolding people in risks to fly. Yep. And so um, that was sort of the idea that we've got, that we've had Love just it. sort of percolating at the moment in Love a picture. It. Love it. Mm -hmm. Christian, did you want to add anything to that? Um, also, birds take flight and go on and reproduce to create more nests and more. Yes, yeah. true that. Yeah, look, I, I've... I've sense God from the beginning when I gave my heart to him that I would be called to something like a church ministry. And I, but I've been terrified of it my whole life yeah, right. and running away from it. So yeah. I think maybe that's the resistance that I've felt for so long. And so coming into this new season, I found it easier now to say yes and run mm. towards God. And that's where it's opened up. And, well done. and as I pressed in, you see that, as you've mentioned, that echo back, that everything I'm engaging with, I'm hearing it in the sermons, in the conversations, in the texts and things I'm reading. Everything's just interconnected in the prophetic, you know. It's, yep. it's quite amazing. So it's really encouraging. Um, and so coming here... Realizing, oh, we've got, we've actually got a lot of seed in here, really. Right. That, you know, we undervalued and underestimated a lot That's of that. Good. So I'm like, okay, God, you've got it in control. Um, but I have actually caught that concept, the vision of planning other churches, and I, I kind of get a sense, scarily enough, sure, go for it, that man. we're going to be not just planning a church, but significantly planting. Thank you, Jesus. Sowing into other churches in WA. Yep. Um, even just engaging in study. I think it's engaging in study that's done that, actually. Yep. Okay. I realised, everyone needs to do this. This is so great. Like, we, I'm going to make sure that everyone in my ministry... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, this ministry yep. engages in study because it's just so beneficial. Fantastic. Um, and it, it, it adds substance to your passion, which I think is really important. You can have passion and that can get you so far, but it's substance that will take you further, for sure. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Hey, um, before we move into the next bit here, just want to say thanks for coming and um, sharing a little bit of your, your journey with us this morning. It's really encouraging, like sincerely encouraging. And um, also want to say, like, I know I'm not speaking for the Lord here, but just want to say thanks for saying yes you know, thanks for saying yes. I feel like that's from God's heart to you guys today, saying thanks for risking. You know, thanks for even just entertaining the, the, the question that was asked of you. And, and um, so I just want to say thank you. Just thank you. It's really important you guys know the Lord's heart is touched by you giving your yes to him. 
hey, we're going to pray for these guys and we're going to speak the Father's heart over them in a minute. But before we do that, you guys, what would you say to everyone here sitting here that's looking at you with sort of faces of both amazement and joy and horror and every, like, <laughs> confrontation and, like, oh, yeah, some are leaning forward, some are leaning back, the whole deal. But it's like, um, what would you say to people that are in front of us this morning, your church family, your vineyard family, where maybe God's inviting them to step into a new yes this year, whether it's relationally or it may be a vocational shift in terms of vocations or the way they're loving their family or just what, what would you say to us? Yeah, um, I think I could speak on behalf of everybody here. We, we all tend to get caught up in a lot of paralysis, as Christians especially, in, in stepping out, in trusting that what we're doing is what God wants, because that's what, at the heart of it, we want to just, we want to do what is pleasing to the Father, we want to walk in the will of God, we don't want to step outside of that, and we can get caught up in a lot of paralysis and, and, and prolong the journey sometimes. I think it's recognising if, if your heart's desire is to honour God, good chances you're on the right track already, so have the courage to step in, and you know, if you sit in a car, you can steer the wheel, but unless you're moving, you're not going to change the direction of your life. You've got to be right. moving. Right. So take a step forward, step into something. If it's not right, God's gracious and big enough to steer you in the right direction. Yep. So have courage. And obviously our, our story relates to a church plant, and, and God had to do something really dramatic, like shift us over here to, to get our attention and make it real. But obviously, everyone has different stories and different journeys and different callings. And I think you've just got to recognize what are the gifts that are in you and, and trust that you know, they're unique to you and unique to God in what he wants to do in your life. So have courage, but t- take a step forward. Um, if you make the wrong decision, at least you'll learn something. So that's my... Two yep, points. that's good. Thanks, Christian. Yeah. Ness? I think having the opportunity to be here and not sharing about the provision that the Lord has provided to us would be, you know, would be wrong really because you, I think I have learnt to expect that God's going to meet my faith with, with wonderful, unexpected surprises, miracles and provision. So one of the things that has, well, there's, there's so many um, that we've been absolutely amazed by. But we, um, we were gifted all of the money to go across, uh, across Australia. So we didn't pay to come here. Someone paid for all of our petrol and accommodation. Somebody else, um, we, we were supported to get into a caravan. So that arrived so that we would have a home that we could have while we were here. Um, when we arrived here... Um, you know, we had beautiful people around us and we were given a household of furniture. I mean everything. Yep. Beds, um, buffets, washing machine, the yep. lot, everything. Yep. Uh, so there were, and, 
And you know, what was important to me was it was also all coordinated. Yes, there you go. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I like a bit of that for peacefulness. Um, but, you know, so the Lord was right there knowing that there's a lot of practical things that go into taking risks, but the Lord has met us in every... I remember coming to the school, and because I haven't got a big toolkit of teaching materials anymore, it's not what I've been doing, um, I had to get established, and there was no money for that. Right. So one night I called out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, listen, I need money for office works. I've got to go, but I, but I haven't got that money. I just don't have that margin to spend, but there are things that I need, tools of my trade that I need to go and get, um, the next day, someone phoned me and said, the Lord put me on your heart. I've just popped $1,500 into your account. There you go. There you go. So I just think I would never have had, had I not said yes, or we had yeah. not said yes, we wouldn't have got to see ourselves held in the palm of his hand the way we have been, and that, and that he owns cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah. I can have a couple of those. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and we can come into that expectation now. We live a lot more of a carefree life mm. because we know now that the Father meets our needs. Thank you, Lord. And I don't worry so much about the future because I've seen him work yeah. so miraculously in this last six months. It's unbelievable, really. <laughs> it, it's really amazing. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. Hey, listen, why don't, why don't you stand with me? Just stand up. And um, maybe uh, for those of you who are um, just sitting there and you're going, you know what? I'm hearing a yes rising up in me to want to say yes to God, to things he's been inviting me to step into with him in this season. Um, I'm going to ask that these guys might pray for you right now. So if that's you, can you just like stand up where you are and we're going to just ask these guys to release blessing over you. The yes that's rising up in you in this season as God's been inviting you into his wonderful adventure for your life. 